Welcome to a crazy little thing called marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today we're tackling a pretty tough topic, infidelity in your marriage. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, this is something that happens more often than you'd think. I just saw the research that talks about approximately 30 to 60% of all married individuals in the U.S. will engage in infidelity at some point during their marriage. That's quite a broad statistic, 30 to 60%. That's broad. I wonder where um, it really lands. 30 or 60 percent. Well, and, and I would think, too, is probably how you define infidelity. Right. So, right. you know, as you expand sort of what would be within Considered, that violation yes. of trust and all that. Yeah, yeah. That's probably when you include emotional mm-hmm. infidelity, those kinds of things, probably closer to 60 percent. Right. And I know just from working with couples for so many years Um, numerous couples come to mind as I think about how they so courageously walked through the healing process of infidelity, because infidelity is devastating. And it's like a, a bomb goes off in the marriage. And so many people come to mind, couples that I've sat with, through, you know, revealing that they've had an affair, as well as at different stages of healing, it's not a sprint that you sprint to the finish line. I think of a couple who they had worked through many different seasons of their healing process, and they kind of came to me at a place when they were softer, more open, and really able to lean in and hear about what it was like for the other person, the the one who had been betrayed. And and vice versa, the one that who had been betrayed was able to really lean in and understand how things went for the one who had the affair. So there's always hope and there's always the possibility of healing. And, you know, this couple I was thinking of, they landed at a much better place as they exited marital therapy. And I love that. And that's really what we're going to focus on today. And so we've got some great segments coming up. We're going to have a conversation with a Christian counselor about steps couples can take to recover from infidelity. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners, and she wants to know, has her husband become one with the multiple women that he's had an affair with? Mm. But first, we're going to listen to a conversation with Travis and Adele Graham about how their marriage survived and is now thriving after infidelity. They're the founders of The Noble Marriage, a ministry committed to helping couples transform their marriages. Let's listen to the conversation that, Greg, you had with Travis and Adele. As you guys look back, Travis, for you, what was the beginning of kind of dealing with the secrets, the double life? You've got the infidelity. What was the breaking point or the turning point? Probably the biggest turning point that I have experienced was after the discovery of the infidelity. You know, I'd found Jesus earlier that year in 2018, and then the discovery happened a couple months later after that. And the turning point really happened after we started on our journey to healing, and I was desperate to figure out, why do I do this? Mm. What's behind me doing this junk that I'm doing? Like, why am I looking at pornography? Why am I being unfaithful? 
why am I not holding up to integrity in my life, being and saying the things I'm committed to being and saying? And that is my biggest turning point is being able to, to really look at that. And I was able to see that I was choosing to believe Satan's lies hmm. over God's truths. Hmm. I was choosing to believe Satan's lies that I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm, I'm just not good enough. I, I'm a failure. I was choosing to believe those lies of Satan over God's truths. And the truth is, I'm made in his image. I'm, I'm chosen. I'm redeemed. You know, I have strength through him. I have power through him. And that has uh, probably been the biggest turning point that I have because I have now root-level healing. You know, there's these filing cabinets of life, the past filing cabinet, the present filing cabinet, and a future filing cabinet. Hmm. And I had to set my past files back into the past where they belong so that my past of being unworthy or being not good enough or being such a failure doesn't keep taking me out being present, fully present in my family now. And it keeps me from having a predictable future of being unworthy, a predictable future of being Mm -hmm. not good enough. When I can take the past and put it back where it belongs. Which is so powerful because what I hear you saying is that kind of through that introspection as you, as you really started to explore, okay, what is driving all this? What's really going on? For you, having bought into lies, and we know that Satan is the father of lies, and and, mm-hmm. and I think that's such a big strategy for, for all of us, whether male, female, he just preys upon those lies, those insecurities, as you talked about, not good enough, failure, worthless, all that. It seems like then we, we buy into the lie, then we try to mask it and cope with mm-hmm. it by things like alcohol, by pornography, being unfaithful, I mean, those kinds of things. So it started, it sounded like for you, it was really learning and understanding, man, what are these lies that I'm buying into? So how did you, as you began to, to understand the lies better, what kind of freed your heart from those lies? Mm. Several things. One of them is just the awareness that uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 that I need to put on the full armor of God because there is a scheme the enemy has to take me out. There is a battle, and it's not between flesh and blood. It's not between Adele and I. That There is a real enemy out there that is there to to write these lies on my heart, and from the heart is the yeah. wellspring of my life. Like right. The things I do, the things I say, how I act, where I work, uh, the friends I have around me, all of that comes from like what is really going on in my heart. And so just knowing that the scheme is out, there's, there is a scheme, and the enemy wants to take me out. Yeah, he'll work hard at doing that. Yeah, Adele, for you, what was that season like for you? So in the healing and restoration of us individually and in our marriage, we started to see that, you know, we went to the intensive. That was our, our very first realization that we needed something different mm. for our marriage was with focus on the family, hope restored intensive, and it it was a um, huge impact on us. And that really kickstarted our healing. Which is where Aaron and I actually first met you guys. I remember that. I'll never forget that That day. Yeah, because we were there about to teach a a marriage retreat, 
And I just remember seeing this couple kind of wandering around a little bit. They looked so dejected, so down. Just you could see something was going on. Yeah. I remember us talking to find out that you guys had just come through Hope Restored in that, that four-day intensive in saying, well, it, what are you guys doing? You're like, well, we're here for a couple more days. So I remember Aaron and I going, well, just, hey, hang out with us. Come to the retreat. Just kind of chill. And and that was so fun to, well, it wasn't fun for you guys. But I just remember just seeing you guys and something about, man, just, you know, you're on the journey. And, and I know yeah. that that was a dark time for you guys. It really was. Like, we, we look back at pictures of that time. We just look like totally different yeah. people. and. That is just the power of God's healing in our life. And after we went to the intensive, it just kickstarted us to wanting more freedom, more healing. And what we discovered through the process is we learned in the intensive that there's this cycle that plays out in our marriage. And we had a lot of awareness around this cycle and how we impact each other through our negative behaviors. Um, but we were still having trouble like stopping the vortex or yeah. we call it a vortex um and so we started to really dive into what is freedom spiritually hmm. look like and when we started to look at that god led us down a path to realize that the enemy comes after us not just when we get married he starts that scheme when we are born hmm. And Travis and I both, we brought lies into our marriage. And one of my biggest ones is I'm not good enough. Hmm. And that started when I was seven. And so spiritually, I had to go back and ask the Lord to heal my heart from hmm. that lie and come against the enemy and break off that agreement that I had been living like it was true. And once we broke that off, it gives lasting healing. Because for you, if I was understanding what you were saying, so for you, the big lie was I'm not good enough. So it made sense that the perfectionist, if I can just perform, if everything can be perfect, yes. then then I, I won't feel you know not good enough. I won't feel exactly. worthless. I won't. So be, and that's the problem with these lies is that they sound right, right to us. Satan frames it. Those lies get written on our heart, and then we we then you know, act out and, and try to cope yeah. with that stuff. A lot of it in unhealthy ways, but I love what you're saying is that for you guys, your journey towards restoration, in your marriage really started as individuals going, how do we heal our hearts yeah. from, from these lies? Yeah. I so appreciate Travis and Adele and their story of mm -hmm. the journey that they went on within their marriage. And, you know, I love their honesty, the the highs, the lows, the the dark moments within their journey of recovering from infidelity. And maybe I thought it would be good for us to give some definition because mm -hmm. as they were talking about infidelity, it just that's where my mind went was how do we really define this? Because mm -hmm. we're going to talk later on a different segment about some of the real specific steps mm -hmm. on how a couple can recover from that. So Aaron, yeah. as you think about infidelity, how would you begin to give that some definition? Well, first, an affair really by definition is a betrayal of trust involving another person outside of the marriage, which violates the promise of the marriage to be faithful yeah. and really allowing your affections to go elsewhere. In, in that idea of the betrayal of trust, certainly 
that can happen with pornography, mm-hmm. with you know neglect, abuse. You know, there's other damaging circumstances where betrayal happens, but really we're talking about here, we're defining infidelity, right, as more of a sexual or emotional encounter, mm-hmm. a relationship that mm-hmm. happens between a married person and someone than who's who's not their spouse. Right. Do you, when you see couples, how often do you um, distinguish between a, a, a sexual affair mm-hmm. or even an emotional affair because i know as i've seen couples before mm-hmm. there's been so many times to where we've been talking about infidelity and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they brought in going you know th- there was infidelity in our marriage and in that betrayal of trust and and, and then to find out mm-hmm. that you know maybe they were talking about exclusively an emotional affair mm-hmm. or for some they're just talking about a sexual affair how often Maybe is there some confusion on, well, is an emotional affair really, is that the same as infidelity if it's sexual? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of confusion and both are painful. And I, you know, definitely would differentiate between the two because there's different consequences, but it doesn't discount the betrayal. Yeah. That happens. And I know we've heard statistics as far as um, a sexual encounter, a sexual affair is more painful um, to a husband to find out his wife has had a sexual affair versus for a wife. We've heard that she's more concerned of, were you emotionally connected to this woman? Yeah. And you and I have had this this conversation. Totally. We've debated this. Because, right, in my mind, if, if you were to tell me, I mean, I wouldn't like either one, but if uh-huh. if you were to tell me that, you know, you were in a relationship that was more emotional with, with another man, mm-hmm. there would be some relief that I would experience going, oh, thank the Lord that you mean that never turned into anything physical. Oh, no, is this emotional? But I, I'm always stunned. Like, yeah. y- you would answer that very differently. 100%. Yeah, that's Granted, fascinating. neither one. Right feels good no. and is, and, and is I'm devastating. I'm not either side um, of that. Yes. It's just it's for, interesting. For both. It's different. But for me, that to know that you pursued emotional connection yeah. with another woman would devastate me. And so it is, it's interesting to think about that because I would hate both. Yeah. But especially the emotional connection would be would be very very hard. Yeah, that's what why is that? I'm now I'm just trying to think through cuz I would say the exact same thing but yeah, I'm just interested as I'm thinking that through cuz you know, I I hate both as you yes. said, but I would be so relieved to find out that it was emotional over physical. Huh. And I wonder if that's if that's purely a a gender, yeah, deal, or is or it that... more of a individualized yeah, thing? Right. Yeah. I I think because we have to be so intentional to stay connected emotionally mm. that it would tell me that you were willing to put forth that effort elsewhere. Uh, got to, oh, that that would sense. be yeah. like heartbreaking yeah. to me. Versus, I mean, you could have a one night stand with someone or whatever, and yeah. I could see that it would would certainly take more effort to really stay. Emotionally connected, connected. which again, even a one night stand doesn't discount the pain. Right. Um, All of it is painful. Betrayal is painful. Yeah. I just, as we're talking about it, so many precious faces come to my mind of people I have sat with over the years and um, just the level of pain of that betrayal because it's not supposed to be like that. We make that commitment and that covenant. 
And oftentimes people are blindsided. Yeah. And I've, I've shared with you before just how many stories that I've sat with, with uh-huh. couples who are sharing that for the first time or mm-hmm. really talking about it and to really fully sit with them in that pain mm-hmm. is so excruciating that mm-hmm. I've told you, like, there's no way in the world that I would ever want to have that conversation with you, mm-hmm. which has been a part of, I think, for me, just protecting you know, mm-hmm. my eyes, my emotions, my, you know, physically, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to ever go through. I can't imagine sitting there mm-hmm. with you having that conversation. I mean, we're all vulnerable, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's really helped me understand, man, the, the level. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, please hear me. I get that that level of pain mm-hmm. is true rather that's been a, an emotional or a physical affair or both. Yeah. It, it's all the same. What would you, like, what would be your one thing um, let's say that, that for someone maybe who's gone through an emotional affair, mm-hmm. what, what's kind of your one tip on how to begin that journey of you know reconciliation within mm-hmm. their marriage? Mm-hmm. Well, it's exactly what you were just talking about, having that conversation and that the betrayer is able to say, I had a connection that was inappropriate. Yeah. And Even I get yes, why that was a betrayal yes. and bringing what's it into like? the light allows the enemy to be silenced. And not that there's no battle after that, but that is the first step forward. And I would say if someone is tormenting over how do I do this, when do I do this, go in and get some help. And a licensed Christian counselor can help you plan that out. I've had people literally come into my office individually and say, I've got to tell my spouse that I did this because it is eating me alive. Absolutely. And of course, that is not a fun conversation. But to have it within the safety of a Christian counselor's office with a third party able to guide that conversation, it is so helpful. Yeah. I've even had people ask, you know, I was unfaithful emotionally, physically, some betrayal, you know, years and years and right. years ago. Why would I now bring that up? Right. Like that would just be about me wanting to get that off my chest and relieve the pain that I'm feeling. That's not mm-hmm. good for my spouse. And Aaron and I really have thought this through uh-huh. to where uh, we'll put a link to an article in the show notes mm-hmm. where we really talk about should I confess something that happened years and yeah. years and years ago within the marriage, even though it's been a long, long time ago, and mm-hmm. why we would advocate 100%, yes. and here's how to do that. So we'll put the link in our show notes. Well, and especially, and I hear this all the time, when there was a betrayal years ago, when the other spouse finds out, they really go to this place of like, well, what is true about the last five years, yeah, 10 yeah. years, 15 years? That's why that's so And hard. it just compiles. Yeah. And so, sure, you know, if you could, if you tell them now, well, that is going to keep it from going to 20 years of deep right. questioning of, you know, what is true about our relationship? Yeah. What's real? So if, you, if you're holding on to a secret, uh, again, we'll put the link in the show notes. Check that out because I think mm-hmm. it will give you a really good perspective of why that's so important to reveal that sort of um, experience within mm-hmm. our marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're struggling with infidelity in your marriage, or maybe you're having a different struggle that needs help, you know, please check out our Hope Restored Intensive Program. Travis and Adele were able to strengthen their marriage. They were able to restore their relationship through Hope Restored. So please go check that out and see if that's right for you and your spouse. 
So we're here with Jenny Coffey. She is a licensed counselor and a colleague of ours here at Focus on the Family. I'm so excited because I've wanted to meet her forever because I've had interactions with her outside of Focus with other clients. And uh, she also taught our son this summer um, in the internship. So we're thrilled you're here. I'm so glad to be here. I've only heard amazing things. So I know you're going to knock this out of the park. I will do my very best. (laughs) So what would you say as a spouse finds out that their spouse has been unfaithful, What advice would you give them as far as first steps? One of the first things that I tell people, because there's so much, as you guys know, so much emotional traction that happens in those moments of needing to problem solve right away and Mm -hmm. what do we need to do and all those types of things. I find that a lot of couples push into a disclosure too fast Mm -hmm. of like everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. Like, let me, because the other spouse, understandably, is traumatized yes, for really, line, right? trying to find a place to yeah, file what this. happened where did yes. it happen all the details and they want to know and a lot of times good meaning spouses will say okay let me answer all of your questions let's do this disclosure mm-hmm. we, they wouldn't call it that but we call mm-hmm. it that clinically right and i really find that that needs to be done in the therapy room mm-hmm. so it's hard because most of the time you're catching people after that mm-hmm. so you're not going to be able to preemptively say, hey, can you go back? Um, But I really find that doing that in a guided process, maybe it's with a pastor, I mean, ideally with a therapist who's specialized in infidelity recovery, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um, somebody who can really walk them through uh, some type of mediation, because I find a lot of times that Mm -hmm. the questions that are being asked are not helpful towards restoration. Mm -hmm. What would, Mm -hmm. so, so let's dig into that a little bit deeper. What would be some guidance that you would typically give, like, on sharing details mm-hmm. or those mm-hmm. kinds of things. What would you say to someone? Maybe because I could imagine there's someone listening going, oh, my friend's going through yeah. that. And, yeah. and th- they're going to have this big talk. What, what, mm-hmm. what would you recommend? Yeah, the one, I really only have one. <laughs> the one that I say every time is any question you ask, because I do believe that they have the spouse that was betrayed has the right to ask whatever questions they Mm want to ask. I always ask them to view it through the lens, though, of how does the answer to this question get you towards recovery Mm -hmm. or restoration? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if the answer to this question is not going to help the restoration of the marriage, then why are we asking? Because Mm -hmm. questions out of curiosity are going to lead to typically further elongating the trust building process. And Mm so I, I, that's why I think that mediator is so important because it's, hey, that question's valid and your feelings around it are valid. Let me poke for a minute. Why do you need to know the answer to this question? That's exactly what I've done in those various situations Mm -hmm. is going, okay, you know, it's important to ask questions, but Mm -hmm. before we go there, yeah, tell me what what's the fear behind right. it? What what's yeah. that really about? Yeah. Because then it's fair to go. Well, if this is what you're really wanting, or this is the fear, would knowing that information right. actually help get you what you really want? And, and a lot of times it wouldn't. Right. And right. so it, it's I love that just giving some guidance around that. Well, and so often what that spouse is looking for are details. Yes. And details of images that they don't want in their mind exactly. long term, and right. then they battle that. For so long, and, and many times they'll say, I wish I didn't know mm-hmm. um, this specific detail about the affair. So I love that you're you're right on as far as the wisdom in how you're guiding couples isn't through it that. A, a lot of it is I'm, I'm already feeling now things have been thrown into such chaos right. mm-hmm. that now I'm feeling so 
helpless, so mm-hmm. hopeless, so almost if I can get the full range of really what we're talking about, thus I begin to feel some sense of control here, yeah. get some sense of how to move forward. But to your point, that's not necessarily answers and specific details may not help with that. So that's right. why it's important to understand right now, this is what I'm wanting, but that's probably not going to get me there. Yeah. And then you can go in a very different direction on, okay, so if the desire is I'm feeling such chaos, mm-hmm. so out of control, all right, well, let, let's do something about that. Right, right. Because I try to say, how do we help the affair to not have any more control or bearing over your life than mm-hmm. it needs to? Mm-hmm. So, for example, do you need to know that they met up every Thursday at 1230 at Olive mm-hmm. Garden? So now you never can eat at Olive Garden again? Right. Like, do you want to have that type, the affair to have that type of control over your life where it dictates what you do and do not do? Mm-hmm. Because there's already going to be aspects of mm-hmm. affair recovery that are going to need to be dictated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now you're just adding extra things. That's good. Uh, for sure. Okay, so this question is one that I want to preface. Because what I'm asking is, how can someone know if the marriages were saving? And Mm. are there times when it's better to end it? But I want to preface that with saying, as being involved with Hope Restored, we all know that there's hope. And I have seen the most hopeless situations walking into the therapy room, walk out months and months later in places that I never dreamt. So prefacing it with that, but have you seen situations where you're like, really, it's probably better to end this? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you asking that because I feel like it's like the dirty question, right? Uh-huh. Especially right. from Focus on the Family. right? Um, but even this morning, I'm a part of a clinical group, supervisors group, and it's actually all previous Focus employees that oh, were in really? the counseling department. And we were talking about it this morning that um, one of them is dealing with someone that just came out with like 140 escorts, a past of 140 escorts. And he goes, I'm sitting there watching him on the couch and it's just like deadpan, like no remorse, no like, hey, I'm sorry this happened. What can we do? Like diving into recovery, which is what we would hope to say what needs to happen to get us to any semblance of normalcy. And those are the times when I would say, and I tell people this on the phones, Mm -hmm. like, Marriage was never meant to trump the individual. Mm -hmm. Marriage is meant to bring two people together. What two can do is better than one, right? Right. We know this, all the things, iron sharpens iron. So that doesn't mean you get to just walk away when things get hard. As we Mm -hmm. know, marriage is a commitment. But at the same time, I've definitely seen times where I feel like infidelity has become borderline abusive. Right. And the other spouse just stays because it's the legalistic right thing to do. Right. And I think that that's really we need to be careful because mm. while I'm all for commitment and I 100% believe that if two people are committed to restoration mm-hmm. that the Lord can really work a miracle and I believe that's his heart and desire is for restoration of marriage. Yes. So I tell couples that I'm like if you're moving towards restoration God wants to meet you there. That's his heart. Yeah. So that's you don't have to wonder what the will mm-hmm. of God is in this situation like he wants that for you. But at the same time if you have one spouse that it's just either unrepentant or just continuously there's addictive behavior or Mm -hmm. children are being impacted by the environment of the household. Those are the times when I'm like, you might want to seek some outside wisdom or insight into Mm -hmm. what next steps need to be. Well, even we, Aaron wrote a great article, and so we'll put the link in the show notes on a healing separation. Mm -hmm. So that can be Mm -hmm. often a a great next step to Mm -hmm. go, what you're saying 
is probably true here, but let me try a healing separation yeah. where there's some structure and how we'll move forward. And if that person still is unwilling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to to move forward, then yeah, you're absolutely right. That's everybody's mm-hmm. losing in that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other mm-hmm. person can walk away, not that it's a checkbox, right. but they can walk away and say, I really did try to do all the things that I could have done. Exactly. And and that's yeah. in front of the Lord when we're standing in front of the Lord and he says, what did you do with what I give you? It's like, well, yeah. this is what I tried. Yeah. And, and that's Absolutely. really what it's about. I try to remember that, not in a fear way, mm-hmm. but in a way of saying like, I'm going to have to attest to all this mm-hmm. and I want to know that I did everything I could. Right. right. Well, and especially down the road, I know adults will come in whose parents went through a divorce due to infidelity, and they have those questions. Mom, Dad, what did you do to fight for our family, fight for your marriage? And I so agree that when there's one unrepentant spouse or if they're unwilling to get help because of an addiction, to heal an addiction, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I I agree, too. The healing separation provides a season that is laid out. And I always say do that under the supervision of a licensed Christian counselor and to pursue healing for both individuals. Mm -hmm. So for the, the spouse who's really lost trust, within their marriage through this type of betrayal, how can they really begin to rebuild hope? Mm -hmm. Um, I will take a page out of Tim Sanford's book, who's our clinical director here. He always says, it's not your job to learn how to trust. It's their job to be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved that because so so often couples do come in like, well, how do we rebuild trust? And that's like the first thing. How do I learn how to trust them? And really, when you think about it, all the foundational... um, relationships in our life, we don't think about trust. Trust is inherently built or it's not. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't think about, oh, I trust this person. I just think about subconsciously. Mm-hmm. They have shown trustworthy behavior. Right. right. And so that's the piece of it of coming up with some sort of structure with a, a therapist or a pastor of what some of those boundaries and guidelines are going to look like in the recovery process, mm-hmm. in the restoration process. And then is the spouse abiding by those? Mm-hmm. Because that's inherently going to build trust. Mm-hmm. But if you have behaviors that are similar to when you were in the affair or previous unhealthy behaviors, then it's going to not build trust. And so it's really easy. Because oftentimes what, what I've seen is that so the, the, the information about the infidelity comes out. Mm-hmm. And, and so for that other spouse, there's such a temptation to then jump into okay, I need to just start doing this better. If I do this better and, I'll, and right. I'll, I'll help do this part and I'll be responsible for this because we know that underneath that is that fear that mm-hmm. I feel, again, so out of control, so helpless mm-hmm. that if in my mind, if, if I can make sure I'm doing this, this, and this, certainly then you know my spouse won't continue that relationship right. or mm-hmm. won't. It's an algorithm. Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. Which, is, which again doesn't help to rebuild trust because then I'm responsible for making sure you don't mess up again. Right. And that just never works. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you don't have that, I mean, the great news is Jenny's a part of that team, that we have great, fantastic Christian mm-hmm. licensed mm-hmm. counselors, and you can get a free consultation. Mm-hmm. And so we just so encourage you to call that 1-800, the letter A in the word family, and you can get that set up. You can go on our website and find out that information. We'll obviously put a link to this information in the show notes. You know, Erin and I also worked, Jenny, with with your counseling team, our Hope Restored therapist, to really create what, what we were looking for is just a very comprehensive guide to how do we recover from an affair. And so 
We're talking to if if your spouse had the affair, what do you do? If you're the one that had the affair, what do you do? And mm-hmm. how do you guys begin then to rebuild the marriage? So we'll put a link to that article as well. It's a PDF you can download. Just mm-hmm. it's, it's really meant to be more of a playbook because when you're going through this, mm-hmm. boy, there's just that chaos and yes. the mm-hmm. trauma and just it's hard to figure out, okay, what are some next steps? That's really mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. that we created that resource. The so structure. Jenny, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for your wisdom, your insight, the incredible work that you, mm-hmm. the, the counseling team is doing here at Focus. So we just so appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. We want your questions. You can click the link in the show notes and go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Yeah, we were just doing a marriage event and someone came up and said, hey, I... I sent in a question and you go, wait, What's your, your name, name sounds familiar. Yeah. You're like, we just answered that. We just, just answered it. It's before. coming. Yep. Yep. So we will get to those. Well, today's question comes from one of our listeners. Let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. And obviously, as you hear her, we have disguised her voice because we want to be able to do that. If you've asked to be anonymous, then we will honor that. So that's why her voice will sound a little bit different. So let's listen in. After decades of marriage... It came out that my husband had been struggling with a sexual addiction, manifested itself in many physical, adulterous situations, occurrences, as well as emotional. Um, We are both in very good, healthy Christian recovery, so doing well. But I struggle with this roadblock of did did he become one? Is he one with every woman that he was with? Uh, whether physically or emotionally. So I would say no, he didn't become one with these other women. But first, I would say the more important place to go is to look internally. What is the fear that's driving this question? So what's going on inside as you're asking, did he become one with these other women? Is it that you feel insignificant, that you feel invisible, that you feel rejected, abandoned, alone? What is it that's driving the fear around this question? It makes sense, but first take care of your own heart so you can then evaluate this from the place of openness. Yeah, because we we talk about the covenant Mm -hmm. within our marriage Mm -hmm. that, that we will stay with in the marriage is really about building security. So I mm-hmm. would I would imagine too, Erin, some of her fears probably just feeling this massive level of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when we feel insecure in our marriage, it's hard to open your heart. Right. We long to be known fully, yeah. deeply. But to do that, you need to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And, and so it makes sense why she's asking this. But, right. but again, I'm hearing this as more of I'm, I'm this fear of of will I ever be secure again? Right. So she's she's probably wrestling through this being a question that for her that would really probably help give you some security as you're wrestling through this. And I would agree with Aaron. I would say that, you know, as I look at the scriptures, I, I would say no, that he didn't become one 
with these other women. I mean, certainly the, the act of sex, you know, may temporarily cause someone to physically be joined, you know, in that moment. But that doesn't mean then that God has joined them together, you know, as husband and wife or in this sort of oneness that, that the question is asking. You know, when I look at Genesis 2, 24, that's mm-hmm. really where this is talking about that, that and the two shall become one. Well, you know, part of that covenant within our relationship, um, the act of sex is certainly creating a permanent seal there for us. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, if someone within an affair has that temporary kind of oneness that that doesn't, I would say, extend beyond that because that oneness is is way more than just, you know, sex. It's more than just physical. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 actually the, the original Hebrew word translated as flesh refers to more than sex. It's really referring to the the whole human experience. So within a relationship, not only is there a physical kind of sexual relationship, but you've got emotionally, you've got intellectually, mm-hmm. financially, spiritually, I mean, all these other ways that really go into that oneness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sex is a powerful thing. You think about what happens internally in our body physiologically. Yeah, that oxytocin. Yes, that is a bonding chemical. But what I would say is, thank goodness we have the Holy Spirit that we can call upon and, you know, really pray to break the physical or emotional bond yeah. that was there. And I love there's Bondage Breaker or um, John Eldridge has some amazing prayers on his app. And so I just encourage that there is there's definitely that spiritual component of having, you know, have an intercessor pray over the one that has has had the affair to break any bonds physically or emotionally with that other individual. Yeah, and to be able to pray for both individuals, to pray for the marriage, that, yes. that any of those bonds, physical, emotional mm-hmm. bonds, are really destroyed. And to your point here, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit ha- absolutely has that power. Mm-hmm. So we so, so appreciate the question. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have questions for us, and remember, you can be anonymous, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Infidelity is hard to go through and to recover from, but it is possible. So we hope we were able to help you and give you some practical tips and more than anything, some hope. Absolutely. And be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. You know, we also want to see you grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, so that you can turn around and invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. 
Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.